Hi, my name is Juliet, and I'm the host for this podcast. I'm studying to be a rabbi, and in Judaism, there's a specific portion, we call it a parsha or reading, from the Torah or Bible for every week of the year. As we go through these readings week by week, in order, from the beginning of the Torah to the end, from the beginning of the Jewish year to the end, we analyze the stories and we comment on them. Of course, connecting them to real life, to contemporary life, is how these ancient stories come alive, which is one of my great passions as a future rabbi. I hope you'll accompany me as I tell these stories of Torah and of my life and the lives of others. If you miss miss an episode, you can always go back and find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for coming on this ancient and contemporary journey with me. And please check out my website, lenegditamid.us. L-N-E-G-D-I-T-A-M-I-D, us. www.lenegditamid.us. Thanks. So, onward and upward. Or upward and onward. How do you say that? Anyway, hi everybody. Hi friends. Hi listeners. Um, this week's episode has a kind of crude um, title. Um, I I wondered whether I should use it or not. If I was going to get in trouble. Oh no! But then I talked to a teacher, asked for some advice, and they said you could always put an asterisk. You know, as they say, you only have your asterisk. Ha 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 ha. Get it? Anyway, I decided it was worth it because I just, I don't know. It was just pulling me. I like the shock value, I guess. Anyway, don't mess up. It's a commandment. Kitavo. That's the name of this week's Parsha. I know I've missed a few weeks of Torah blogging, but, you know, time off, vacation, it's always a necessity any year and especially this year went to the country, got to go swimming in a pond, got to go hiking in the woods, weird weather as usual these days, too cold, too hot, but for a few days it struck a perfect in-between and I got to do both. So got to reconnect to the earth, which is so important for everyone. I do have Central Park and I am eternally grateful for it, but Sometimes you really get out, got to get out of the city. And if you live in a city like New York, then you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I was forced to cut that vacation short in order to avoid an oncoming hurricane. I'm sure everybody heard about that hurricane. If you didn't, it didn't really hit New York too badly or where I was staying, it turned out. Um, but, you know, it's yet another part of the climate crisis that we're in. And that easily brought me to this week's Torah reading, Kitavo, which means when you come into the land, that's the introduction, when you come into the land that God is giving you. Um, and I thought it was pretty interesting that last week it was Kitetse, when you come out. Come out, go in. But the coming out is more like coming out into the fields to take the fields. So there's like war and then there's to take over. Not a happy, not a happy thought. But now we're coming in and you think it's going to be happy, but it's not really so happy. It's, um, there's a lot more, there's a, 
the Torah repeats all the warnings and all the, the curses that will happen if we don't follow God's commandments and if we don't walk in God's ways. And, of course, that always brings up the question of what does it mean to walk in God's ways? What does that exactly mean? As we come to the end of the Torah, um, that's where we are. And it's pretty frightening reading of environmental catastrophe in the Torah and skies of copper, literally the color of copper, it says it there. And I, you know, I'm thinking about the fires in California and, the, and, and, and what color the skies turn, what they turned last year and what they still are turning that copper, that copper color. It's like, oh my God, are these really prophetic voices that are recorded in the Torah? Is this God's voice? Do they, is God telling us something here? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, do we take it literally as every word? is directly from God given to Moses on Mount Sinai, that's up for you to decide. Um, But anyway, back to the question, what does it mean to walk in God's ways? I asked the question, how many people do we each know who profess to doing exactly that, yet their value systems are completely opposite to ours? While I was on vacation, I read a historical novel. Yes, I did have time to read. Even though I exhausted myself swimming and hiking, I just had to get every minute in. But I did have time to read, and it was wonderful. And it was not a book of happy, of happy topics. It, topic. it was, but it was one of the books, best books I've ever read. It's called The Known World by Edward P. Jones, The Known World. Amazing book. It's about slavery. I picked it up um, just by helping a friend reorganize her books. She was moving into a new apartment and it looked interesting. I liked the cover and it's won Pulitzer Prize and all this stuff. Amazing. It's about slavery and it's about the intricate and complicated relationships between black people and white people, rich and poor, of both black and white, light-skinned and dark-skinned, how complex that whole thing is. I mean, um, the owner of a plantation who is considered black, and yet she's, no, not the owner, it's it's her teacher. Um, No, she also owns slaves, yes. And she is, she looks white. She could pass for white. Nobody would think that she was black. And yet she's considered black, as we know the, the way the law was. Um, so there's that. And then there's, you know, so black people owning black people, um, immigrants, their role in, in, in United States history in terms of slavery, native-born people versus non-native-born um, native peoples, indigenous people, and their role, um, and, and the relationships, the complex relationships. So it delves deeply into the complexities of black slave ownership and the mind and mentality of the time and the characters. And it's so beautiful, beautifully written. It's fascinating. And 
as painful as the subject was, I, I really didn't want it to, re- to end. I, I fell in love with these characters. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but you, when you get into the mind of, of a character, you just, wow. And, and this author is so talented at helping the reader get inside of everybody's head. So there's one character, a white slave owner, who believes that God doesn't care what we do. And even if he thinks that God does care, he says, you can hide from God. Hide your evil doings, whatever they are. Um, and, and to me, that's like, maybe to us contemporary people, it feels like a strange idea, right? Like, how do we hide from God? God is everywhere. And yet the Psalms, um, there's a lot of reference to God hiding his face from us. Please, God, don't hide your face from us. Don't hide your face from me. Don't hide. Um, So that mentality that comes from, it doesn't come from non-dual Judaism. Non-dual Judaism, you you know, you think we, 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 there's no separation, right? between us and, and God, us and the universe. We're all connected. But in the dual duality way of thinking, God is this man in the sky, old-fashioned, <clears throat> which, which is the reason why so many people have left religion, right? They don't believe that anymore. It's like, I don't believe, oh, I don't believe in that kind of God either. So I always like to say what my Rebbe, Reb Zalman, used to say, the same God you don't believe in, I don't believe in. That's Reb Zalman, Shechter Shalomi. You can look him up on the internet. Anyway, there's another white character. There's the sheriff who continually looks to the Bible for answers on how to live his life. And he finds perfect justification for slavery within our holy book. And, and um, you know, because he's wondering, like, is it okay for me to, to own a slave? And he actually, he and his wife adopt they're given a slave for their wedding and and she's a child she's i think six years old when they when when she becomes a part of their family and they said no i'm not own they're from the north and like i'm not owning a slave or she's from the north he's from the south and she's like there's no way i'm owning a slave so they bring her up as a daughter but that's complicated too anyway um the fact that there is justification for slavery in the book in in our holy book is very disturbing to us now and some people make excuses for it they say just ignore it that's old times but how do you ignore one idea and you accept others big questions right and we could say well you know finding justification for slavery in the torah that's easy why not and anti-abortionists and anti-people who are anti-LGBTQ, they also easily find justification for what they're looking for. And it's disturbing that if you look, you can easily find something that justifies any opinion, pretty much. So this isn't to say that there are no hard truths, because you could, some people say, oh, well, everything is true. No. I'm sorry, I don't believe that. And those who've experienced or seen the harm and the trauma that the Bible has caused to so many people, 
may have already decided to walk away. And I say, but then they would also miss the other parts where we're reminded to take care of each other and the earth. We have a Shemitah year coming, this Jewish New Year, which starts in only a couple of weeks. Less than two weeks, I think. It's coming way too fast. Um, a Shemitah year is where you let the land go fallow for a year. The, the biblical commandment is to save up enough food for that entire year for the entire population, which seems impossible, but it's a good idea. I mean, whether we could actually accomplish that, like putting enough, you know, how big, how big was Noah's Ark and could it really fit all the animals that needed to be fit on it? You know, same question, right? But the point is, this becomes a symbolic thing and, and something to really think about how to take care of the earth. And we're entering into that time this coming year. And it's really a chance to repair the damage that we've done, to set things right, and to heal. And people who walk away would also miss out on the commandment to rejoice, which appears again in this week's Parsha. And I know from experience that if I don't, if I'm not reminded to rejoice, in what I have and in the abundance and the beauty of the earth, then I might stay in a place of doom and gloom and I don't want to stay there. And the Parsha says, you are commanded to rejoice. So during this month of Elul, I want to say in conclusion, as we work on ourselves, because this is a time for working on ourselves, making ourselves better people, making amends with those that we've hurt, etc., etc. Just improving the way we interact with other people and the earth as we get ready for the high holy days. This is a very serious time for Jews. It's not just like, woohoo, we're just gonna like open a bottle of champagne. No, this is very serious work. And we are commanded to spend the entire year working on ourselves. Every day we do tshuva we come back. We are reminded to come back and to try to improve ourselves. And the month of Elul, right before Rosh Hashanah, is, it, it becomes intensified. And we're trying not to mess up any more than we already have. So let's not forget, though, to put aside the hard work at least once a day to rejoice in who we are, the gifts we already bring to the world, and what we have you can call it God's glory because rejoicing is a commandment. Thank you and I hope you'll join me again next week and like I said, check out my website lenegditamid.us thanks.us Bye and hopefully talk to you next week. Bye.